Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El If you haven't already done so, folks, if you are new to the Radio Islam family, take a moment to follow us on social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. If you've got a point or comment or question that you would like to make, uh, you want to pose during tonight's conversation, give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We're going to go ahead and shift gears. We're going to talk with Dr. Lubna Hussein. She is a physician and an assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. Uh, She has a special interest in global health and medical relief to migrant populations. She was recently with the Med Global team on the Myanmar border in eastern Bangladesh. And we welcome her to Radio Islam. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Lubna. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thank you so much for having me, Brother Tarek. Oh, it is our pleasure. It is our pleasure. So, um, how long how long were you uh, were you there in um, uh, uh, working with the uh, the refugees? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa I really wanted to thank you for giving a voice to this issue because I do feel like it's something that cannot be addressed enough. I feel yes. that I came back with such a heavy burden mm-hmm. um, with the stories of the Rohingya people that I that I met with our brothers and sisters over there. And I feel that every time I can speak with someone about it, that burden gets a little bit lighter. So I thank you so much. Um, to answer your question, I was there for seven days. Okay. Um, I had received uh, an email just generally requesting physicians to join the Med Global team um, a couple months prior to my departure, um, and they had requested for me to come the first week of December. That's what they had a need for for pediatricians at the time, so I was able to alhamdulillah join them for that first week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, was this your first time working with Med Global? And, and if you could uh, give the Radio Slime family just kind of an, an idea. Uh, as to the scope of the work that Med Global does. Yeah, so it was my first time working with Med Global. I've done work with other relief organizations um, in the past. I've gone on medical missions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the third major medical mission I've done. But Med Global was actually founded in August of 2017, so it's actually a very new uh, medical organization. Oh, um, but The reason that I trusted it so much and I was so eager to sign up when I first heard about it was I actually worked with one of the um, board members uh, in Lesbos, Greece, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago. And then I had been following um, Dr. Zahir and others, uh, Dr. John Kaler. Um, I'd been following their their travels, and I'd seen that they had gone into uh, Aleppo, um, and, you know, didn't shy away from trying to take medical care, take top-level medical care mm-hmm. to areas in the world where that could that's something that could, just could not be accessed. So I kind of immediately fell in love with the idea of MedGlobal, and then um, I talked to some people who had come back from Bangladesh and um, become involved, and I decided to become involved with it. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the mission of MedGlobal, to provide medical services to people who otherwise cannot even dream of accessing such level of medical care for them, for them, their children, for their families. Right. 
Well, I'll tell you, we've been following very closely the, uh, the, the, the condition of the Rohingya, our brothers and sisters there, uh, and the, the struggle that they're going through. Uh, and I have to say, just on a personal level, I, I'm just really filled with such a sense of uh, inspiration and pride when I see um, uh, brothers and sisters um, like yourself, um, Dr. Lubna, who have volunteered their, their time, their skills, and their expertise to go out and try to make a difficult situation um, bearable. Um, how does this affect you as a Muslim? You know, Brother Tarek, I have to be honest. You know, I, you go there, you see these conditions, and you you start asking, like, how how can this be happening? And I actually remembered a lot the ayah from Surah Baqarah that when the angels asked, you know, are you going to, they asked Allah, are you going to create a creation on the earth that's going to spill blood, spill each other's blood and spread corruption? Right. And I witnessed that firsthand there, the monstrosity that human beings can be capable of committing. Um, you know, we're living in a world now where Buddhists have become violent, which, you know, I would have never imagined. Right. Um, so I, you know, did ask those questions. I had those kind of shakes in my uh, face, but it's interesting, you know, speaking with the Rohingya directly and asking them, why did this happen to you? They say it's because we say la ilaha illallah. I, you know, had patients tell me that directly. And it just fortified my iman to see that they are still, they're some of the most grateful people that you'll ever come across. Um, they really taught me the meaning of alhamdulillah, because, you know, they'll come to the clinic, you give them just a little bit of medical attention, and they are so grateful. You know, they're just so thankful giving us their dua, and it's just that their reaction is what strengthened my iman. So, I, you know, that's one aspect. The other thing I would have to say is, you know, as a Muslim, I'm looking at responders coming from the U.S., coming from Europe, uh, from European countries. We saw the Japanese Red Cross very involved, um, Norwegian, you know, just a bunch of European countries. But I did question where are the Muslim countries? You know, where are the responses from these countries that are competing with each other to build the tallest buildings in the world and, you know, some of the most, like, mind-blowing structures you'll ever see. Uh, and where is their response to the course of our people? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had mixed emotions, but, you know, I have to say that it's like Allah SWT taught us in Surah Baqarah that He knows what we don't know, and, you know, He has a plan. I mean, I mean. So, um you mentioned that the the spirit of the Rohingya were mm-hmm. um, uh, those that, that you encountered. There was a, there was a sense of a sense of gratitude. Would you mm-hmm. would you describe that as the overall? Um, I mean, aside from the attitude, what is the what was the overall condition of the people? Uh, yeah, I mean that's a question. I think in the um, in one word, I can say it was harrowing to see. I had done my best to prepare myself before going. I had, of course, watched news stories on the situation, talked to people who have gone and come back. Um, but unfortunately, I found that I was completely, could never have been prepared for what I saw. Um, when I arrived on my first clinical day, um, there was a line of about 100 patients waiting for us in the clinic. And the first thought I had was, these people are all malnourished. Um, and many of them looked acutely ill. And my kind of uh, 
quick triage of the situation, a lot of the kids looked frighteningly ill um, and malnourished. I would uh, see a patient who I think I'm pretty good as a pediatrician to guess a patient's age, um, but I would put a baby on the table and think, okay, this baby's about six or seven months old, and I'd look at the chart, and this baby's 18 months old. And, you know, that's something that took some getting used to. Um, every patient, we would measure their upper arm circumference, mid-upper arm circumference, which is kind of a WHO, the World Health Organization's way of measuring their nutritional, a quick way of measuring their nutritional status, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are ser- NGOs that are providing services for um, food and uh, especially for children there. So there are people who are doing um, a lot of good work, um, and MedGlobal, I think, is one of them. Um, the other thing I would say is, speaking to the gratitude, what they tell me the story, like we had, for example, one day the Physicians for Human Rights group come to our clinic, and they were kind of asking us to send them patients for interview. So we had to ask them in depth the, their stories of how they were, how they had to flee. Um, and a lot of them would tell us that they were just, you know, having dinner, um, living comfortably uh, in Myanmar when armies would come in and announce that anyone who doesn't get up and leave is going to be killed. Um, they, they witnessed their neighbors being killed in front of them. They, neighbored, they witnessed neighbors being raped. Um, a lot of them witnessed their own family members being taken from them, um, young women um, and children, and just horrible, just unimaginable things happening. And so they just ran. They picked up their children, whatever they could, they, and they started running. Um, they ran through jungles, and in some situations they were near a mountain. They were trapped there. They had to then go through water that was at best chest deep, but a lot of them, and sometimes when the water was higher, would have to take boats across to arrive in Bangladesh. Um, and then when they arrived, they're given, basically, they're given tarp and bamboo and told to build their own shelters. So, you know, this process of their fleeing, they told me anywhere, some said five days, some said eight days. And I heard one person tell me 15 days. It just depends on, you know, who's traveling with you and the capabilities um, that they have. So when they arrive to the shore, they're building their own kind of makeshift shelters. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I, we did get a chance to go into the middle of one of these camps called the Hakim Para camp. Mm-hmm. And right in the heart of it, like right in the center of it, they've built a masjid. So that tells you something about, <clears throat> excuse me, something about the iman of these people. Mm-hmm. Hello? Absolutely. Yes, yes. I'm yeah. Here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no um, it, it really, it gets me sometimes to think that people who have gone through such indescribable, you know, situations have still found a way you you know, to maintain their dignity. You know, there is something about uh, about this cruelty that, that many of us don't see. Uh, we hear about it. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, re- referencing um, uh, Soto Subakura. You know, uh, in the angel's response and about that, you know, bloodshed and being spread. Um, and the other side of that is uh, if it was not for that, it's not a justification, but it is it is sort of just an observation. Uh, if it was not for these instances of that type of unimaginable, unimaginable uh, cruelty and callousness, um, we really could not appreciate 
the the, the mercy and compassion and in response of, uh, of, of, of people like yourselves, organizations like Matt Goble, uh, SAMS, uh, and other organizations that respond uh, to the conditions of people who find themselves victims, um, you know, of, you know, of, of, of acts and circumstances well beyond their control. How did you, uh, and let me take you back to before you got there, uh, Dr. Lubna, mm-hmm. how did you prepare yourself um, to, 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 you know, to, to be in that space? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually had done work prior in Lesbos, Greece, um, okay. with the assisting Syrian uh, refugees there, um, as well as refugees from other countries coming in. Um, and then I had done another mission to the Saloniki, which was more of a stable situation in Greece. Um, so I did have some experience. Then I, you know, like I was mentioning, I was able to just kind of read up on the situation a little bit and speak to people who had come back from the region. Sure. Um, it's interesting when this inf- huge influx happened around August 25th. I was actually with my brother in Hajj um, in the last year in Mecca, and um, we got word of this. And, you know, he was... Uh, trying to respond, you know, in his, through political channels, and um, Imam Majid from the Adam Center area was there, too, and, you know, they were meeting with each other, and so, I mean, I had, we had, you know, made a lot of dua for them. Uh, I remember the Imam in the Haram making dua for them, um, and then I think that's kind of what really sparked my interest in reading more about the Rohingya. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like I say, nothing I could have read could have prepared me for what I saw when I got there. Mm. Uh, let me ask a, a, a different question from the lens uh, as uh, as someone who teaches uh, aspiring physicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I was having a conversation with a, a physician earlier today. We were just talking about the number um, being over a million in the U.S., um, but as a professor uh, who teaches, how do you encourage or do you encourage your students to use their skills and knowledge in similar ways to yourself? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, a good question. I think that a lot of physicians, if they're not already involved in humanitarian efforts, mm-hmm. would do so um, if their situation would allow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I try to remind my residents and students of more than anything is that compassion that first drew them to medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that uh, most people go into this profession with noble intentions. It's too hard to get through the training and, you know, the nights that we have to stay awake and be away from our families. It's too hard to do that for any reason other than compassion and a, a strong desire to be of assistance to humanity. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's kind of in our blood. It's not hard to convince. I would say that maybe up to 80% of medical students would immediately say, yes, I'm interested in global health. I'm interested in um, doing medical relief work. But, you know, I mean, it, it just, what I try to do with my medical students and residents is to remind them of that compassion. And that could even be practiced here in the, you know, in the U.S. with every patient that you see. Um, a lot of people become involved in local organizations here in Dallas. We have uh, free health clinics at several of our massages. We have um, organizations that are providing free medical care to people with no health insurance. 
And I don't see that work as any different than what I did. You know, I basically got on a plane and did my job somewhere else. Um, but there are people who are doing continuous good more frequently just all the time. And, and that may be in a lot of ways better than, you know, kind of intermittently exerting effort to go and provide these services. So, you know, there's a Aya in Surah Isra, I think it's Aya 84, that, um, which would translate to say that everyone acts according to their own um, predisposition Mm -hmm. or their own abilities. So, you know, I mean, that ability could be different for everyone. Medicine is a very wide field. You know, there are some people who have this strength of uh, working in emergency situations. Um, So I encourage people to kind of identify what it is about you that makes you unique or different or, you know, what skill can you provide um, for me, I've known pretty much from a young age that there's this thing that happens to me when I see an emergency situation that I develop a very tunnel-type vision. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it can be like a circus happening over here, and I wouldn't notice. I, I become very focused in what I'm doing, in this task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like emergency response is something that I am predisposed to. Um, and that's something that I have identified about myself, and that's where I think my forte is in providing that kind of aid. But there are others who, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the best place for them. You know, the best place for them may be working in a homeless shelter or, you know, just even providing compassionate care to every patient that you see and letting that be your guiding light, your motivating, your inspiration um, with every patient that you see and touch. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that answered the question. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, let me ask one more question about, uh, about your time there. Um, and we, we've heard different accounts about what people have to go through to get to these, uh, to get to these uh, camps. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a particular age or gender that comprised uh, the majority of the refugee camp? Um, you know, I haven't seen a solid report telling me the percentage of the camps, but I can tell you that I think it was about 40% of the patients that we would see in clinic every day. I'm not sure if that is a true sample size mm-hmm. um, because, you know, of course, we were just seeing the acutely ill. Right. Um, but I, I would say maybe somewhere between 40 and 50%. I hope I'm not too off on that. Um, there are definitely other people who are more experts at Uh, knowing these numbers, Um, but it was a large percentage. Um, And I would say the the majority of the patients that I saw as a pediatrician there would be under the age of five. Um, And I would see maybe like around 40 patients a day. Um, And I know that other providers in the clinic were seeing some of the kids that were less acutely ill too. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was somewhere maybe between 40 and 50% if I had to guess. But these kids... um, you know, most of them were malnourished, as I mentioned, and one of the things that happens with malnutrition that we kind of forget here practicing in the West is that disease tends to just spread so quickly in their body. So when here we can see a child who has a common cold, for example, and really not worry about it. There, you know, this situation of like just a common viral infection can become life-threatening very quickly in a child who's that malnourished. So the percentage of bacterial secondary infections was very high. 
we were seeing cases of children suffering from diseases that we've long forgotten here in the West because of vaccinations. Um, so there we're still seeing measles and mumps and um, diphtheria spreading quite alarmingly. Um, I've heard up to 1,500 cases of diphtheria in the, as of mid-December, so that number must have increased by now. Um, and we're scrambling. We're scrambling to develop isolation centers and there are some field hospitals. Uh, for example, the Red Crescent had an excellent field hospital. I would send patients and go round on them later. And I, you know, in speaking with the doctors practicing there, there were Norwegian doctors mm-hmm. um, that were practicing the same exact medica- medicines that we would do here um, or level of care that we would do here in the States. So I felt very confident with them. But to be honest, they were quite overwhelmed. Like a part of me wanted to stay overnight and help them because they were so overwhelmed. So the fact of the matter is there's so much more work that needs to be done acutely. Um, MedGlobal is working on establishing a field hospital. Um, and I did want to spread that message, uh, if that's okay with Please you. Please do. Please do. That if anyone is able to help um, donate to MedGlobal, just go to medglobal.org. Um, and click on donate. Um, the funds right now that we're collecting for the Rohingya um, will be used in building a field hospital, an advanced care facility, where, for example, we can admit children who may need IV um, hydration, IV antibiotics. I can say firsthand that I would see infants that were on the brink of death. Like, I was very, very worried about these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would um, send them by rickshaw to the Red Crescent Field Hospital and go see them as soon as I could after clinic. And, you know, my first question was, well, did they make it? And the doctors would say, you know, thankfully, alhamdulillah, that they did. But another child died today. And it's unfortunate because if these, ki- if these children had gotten to medical care like a day sooner, mm-hmm. they could have been saved with antibiotics and hydration. Wow. It's, yeah, it's an incredible need that we have. So I really implore anyone who you know can make a contribution to do that to medglobal.org. Medglobal.org. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Lubna, uh, I would just want to say um, just thank you for, for sharing uh, with us. And may Allah continue to bless you and all those who uh, give their time and their energy and their expertise uh, in the service of others. Um, and uh, I mean, I hear it. I hear it in your in your voice, and I mean, I'm affected by it. And um, you know, just may Allah continue to reward you for for all that you've done. And um, I'm, I'm just really, really thankful to be able to talk to you. Thank you, Brother Tharik, and thank you again for giving a voice to this very important issue um, and for the work that you're doing as well. Alhamdulillah. Uh, and last thing, if you send me, well, you know what? I'll, I'll make sure I add that link. Uh, Med Global is medglobal.org, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, That's so right. this uh, this live broadcast will be up as a podcast, uh, and I'll make sure I send that link to you. But when we put it up on our Facebook page, I'll also add that uh, link from Med Global there, so uh, the Radio Sound family can uh, can can support uh, the continued uh, good works of Med Global. Inshallah. I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. All right, Radio Sound family. That was Dr. Lubna Hussein. Uh, She is a physician and assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. Uh, She recently returned uh, with the uh, from uh, Myanmar. um, uh, Well, from the Myanmar border uh, in eastern Bangladesh, uh, where she spent seven days uh, treating 
just treating the uh, Rohingya, uh, I guess a lot of youth, but uh, let's just make sure that we keep we keep her and we keep all those who are giving their time uh, in our prayers. Uh, you know, may Allah protect them and continue to bless them, uh, continue to serve.